Thanksgiving week. I don't uh, celebrate all holidays, but Thanksgiving, I do like to celebrate. And uh, this is a really good time to talk about gratitude. So that's the subject of this talk. Um, <clears throat> and I'm very glad to do this because we're under so much stress these in these times. And gratitude is one of the things that is really helpful to us in dealing with stress. I have to start off any discussion of gratitude with acknowledging the recent rain last week and the relatively clear air. Truly, water is life and air is life. Not only for the fish and the birds, but for all of us. Everything felt so dry. The leaves crackled as you walked. There was this constant apprehension of fire danger. Now, with that rain, it felt like a general collective sigh of relief. The fallen leaves swelled with the moisture and softened. So I have to say, thank you, rain. With that dramatic change, the air too changed. It felt cooler, moist, and so clean. Some of our cleanest, our most beautiful days are, are after the rains in the fall. It felt, <clears throat> um, it felt cooler, moist, and clean, full of the fragrance rising from the relieved ground. So I have to say, thank you, air. So starting off with gratitude to the elements, let us say, Thank you, soils of Sonoma County, generous by nature, source of the incredible abundance all around us. And to the perfect sun, our favorite fire, and its tiny, persistent reflection in our own metabolism. Thank you, sun. So earth, air, fire, and water, they are all assembled, combined, and arranged beautifully into each one of us here. How could we not celebrate that with gratitude? Sometimes I find myself having the thought uh, about something that I'll do when things go back to normal. And then I have to laugh at myself and ask, normal? What was ever normal? And I recognize <laughs> the collective longing for some past time when there was some feeling of security and predictability in our lives. Is there a time you'd really like to go back to and when might that have been? Make America great again. When was it ever great? Before the pandemic? before Trump was elected in 2016, before the Tubbs fire, before 9-11, when Jerry Garcia was still alive, when atmospheric CO2 was less than 350 parts per million. But whenever it might have been for you, it's past and gone. There's no way to go back to it and that firewood is now ash, and it will never become firewood again. In a way, we are experiencing a deep social and collective trauma. 
it's wrenching to have to tell ourselves that this ash is the new normal, that the climate will not stabilize in our lifetime. Great fear and uncertainty. We may not visit our sick and hug our grandchildren. We are not to sing and chant together or even talk closely face to face. Our income is cut, but not our rent or mortgage payment. Our schools are empty and our hospitals are full. Almost half of our fellow citizens voted fear and reaction. We react to this with denial and self-delusion. We self-medicate. Depression, suicide, and addiction are on the rise. Yet we persist. In this field of uncertainty and adversity, we continue to affirm mutual respect, patience, and inclusion. We continue to practice courtesy and goodwill throughout the day. In this persistence, the attitude of gratitude is our great ally. You may have been trained as a child to use the magic words, please and thank you. And indeed, they are almost magical in their ability to transform feelings. The sincere use of them in our daily encounters promotes a feeling of normalcy and comfort. The expression of gratitude strengthens social solidarity and comfort. Gratitude tends to make you happy, and happiness tends to make you grateful if you say yes. Even when we are in grief, sick, or suffering, there will still be encounters in your life that call you to an attitude of gratitude. However bad it is, it could be worse, right? Expressing <clears throat> your gratitude can almost miraculously make you and someone else feel happier. We can give that to each other. Personal happiness seems to have a set point that's somewhat steady but can be moved by personal practice. And gratitude is one of the main ways you can do that. So we need this right now, both personally and collectively. Some of us have been gathering briefly every week to sit in the woods with a bush, a tree, a landscape, to renew our sense of being at home in the natural world. We begin these sessions with a chanted dedication that includes the words, we gratefully acknowledge the support of all her beings, large and small, moving or still, past, present, and future. I'll expand on that later. But this acknowledgement, grateful acknowledgement, is really important. <clears throat> the easiest way to kill your natural impulse to gratitude and lose the joy that comes from it is to take things for granted. To take things for granted means to see things that are virtually miraculous as ho-hum, normal, and expected. There's a feeling of entitlement. And when things don't happen as expected, it's not only a disappointment, but a personal affront. Of course, living with the constant amazement of fabulous beauty and benefit of ordinary circumstances of your life 
might be too overwhelming to maintain for long. It might be something like the mind of an excited puppy that cannot ground or contain its enthusiasm. Or the Hindu saints who practiced uh, the enthusiasm of uh, being of union with God, and you have to think down, boy, down. Taking things for granted gives us a space to rest, reflect, and take care of business, and we need to do that, of course. The problem is it becomes habitual and we become jaded, dull, and risk eventually dying of terminal boredom. A daily practice of gratitude can keep that fresh, to see with beginner's mind again each day. Expect uncertainty. Actually, it seems that death or the heightened awareness of mortality helps us to wake up from our routine expectations. The next breath is more patient, precious when we realize that there are a few left. If you've sat with someone dying, you know what I mean. It's a gift to carry that heightened awareness of mortality. It helps us to wake up to what is routinely taken for granted, like the next breath, like the next sunrise, or the continuation of this pulse that has been with me for so long, reliably for decades. Thank you, pulse. I am grateful for my old pickup truck. It starts and runs almost every time I get in and turn the key. For that to happen, hundreds of parts and processes have to interact seamlessly. The starter itself, quite complex, has to work, respond to electrical current from the battery, and rotate the crankshaft, which needs to move freely enough to compress just the right amount of gasoline and air, which then must be ignited by an electrical spark at just the right time. So many chances for something to go wrong. Every now and then, I forget what a miracle of engineering it really is, and I take it for granted, just jump in, start it up, and go. Other times, I pause to acknowledge its virtues and benefits gratefully. Thank you, pickup truck. And this body, clearly a miracle of biology, an infinite number of complex processes and interactions that have maintained life and breath for all these years, despite neglect, abuse, and injury, not only to make it functional right now, but to make it a part of the ongoing process of earth transformation, part of that ecosystem wisdom that always moves toward beauty and diversity. Miraculous. Amazing. Often I don't notice my body or acknowledge it, except when there's something unexpected about it that calls it to my attention. Or when I sit zazen and do a kind of check-in, paying attention to breath and and bodily sensation again. Often I forget it until there is a pain or a problem. In that forgetfulness, 
body embodiment may seem simple, like the great circle of water seen from a boat out on the ocean. But when we bring our awareness to it, we see that it is inseparable from the surrounding shore, vast, infinite in variety. When my dad was in his 80s and 90s, he lived in the mountains of North Carolina. I lived several states away and would call to check on him by telephone. Like me, he had some hearing loss, and the conversation was mostly one way. I live here with my beloved Ruby in the most beautiful place on earth. I get to see my grandchildren and great-grandchildren every day. Most of my friends have died, but my neighbors help me with errands and take me to church. We get meals on wheels, delicious. My body still works pretty well, except for this shoulder bursitis. I'm going to the hospital for a heart pacemaker, but the doctors have to live too. At the time, I was impatient with him, wishing we could have more of a two-way conversation about our current passions, current events family stories, but I didn't have much success with that. As he got older and more forgetful, his list got more simplified, but the content and his attitude remained. And indeed, he died a happy old man. As I have aged myself, I realize it was his longtime strategy for how to be a happy old man and how well it worked for him. Thank you, Dad. I've found ways that it works for me, too. It doesn't mean putting a happy face on everything. In fact, the great gift of this attitude of gratitude is that it expands our ability and also our responsibility to hear the cries of the world. With the ability to access the peace of gratitude, we may find more capacity to respond to grief and suffering without turning away, without explaining, minimizing, or blaming. Grief, of course. Everything that we cherish is perishing. How could we not be in grief? Grief is your life, as love is your life. Claim it. The grief and the joy are inseparable. To choose to feel gratitude and joy is an act of resistance in the face of oppression. And I will say that I believe it's stronger than hatred, resentment, or retaliation. It's an affirmation of personal power and agency that cannot be taken away by a prison or punishment. It can give one a place to stand, to rest, regroup, and recover. All of this, the grief, the joy, the engagement, the life and the death, this complex shoreline of embodiment is within the context of unpredictable, relentless, and constant change. We Buddhists call that impermanence. Impermanence means that we will lose everything. There's nothing that we may reliably cling to. Our loved ones will die. We will lose our money, our fame, our success. We will lose our memories, our privilege, our autonomy. It will all go away. 
But right now, now, at this moment, we are together on holy ground. For that which will surely be lost has not yet been lost. Right now, it is still here with us, all of it. Right now, we breathe and feel the sensations of embodiment. Right now, we see each other's images on the screen and awaken to the love and the connection that flows between us. Whatever is in our life right now has not yet been taken away and has rendered everything and everyone around us deeply significant and worthy of our heartbreaking gratitude. It's not only the things we cherish that are worthy of our heartbreaking gratitude, but also the pains, mishaps, and catastrophes that are an indelible part of our story and have made us who we are. Claim them. You have paid for them with your tears. The fact is that this ungraspable, ever-changing, interdependent, flowing matrix of thusness is our true and only home. We, with all beings, will gather, disperse, rearrange within it constantly, but it will never expel or forsake us. There is no beginning, no end. There is no exit. There is no time out. Under, through, behind, and within, there is just this, everything exactly as it is. For me, for you, and for all beings, there is this thusness. In defeat and frustration, I take great comfort in this and say thank you. In loss and decline, I take great comfort in this and say thank you. In grief and fear, I take great comfort in this and say thank you. There are practices that you can use to cultivate this. There are many personal practices to cultivate the benefits of gratitude. And there, there, to start with, there is Zazen where we may become aware of the continual support that each moment brings, the cushion, the ground, all the beings around us, all the things that support our life, all the encounters of body and mind, the breath that we rely on and return to again and again. The offering and example of the ancestors who practiced this way. Sitting with this, the heart opens and calls us to gratitude. Some de decades ago, I took part in a group organized on the book, The Artist's Way. One of the exercises in the book was called Morning Pages, in which we were asked to write two or three pages the first thing each morning just allowing a few free flow of words to come without correction, punctuation, or self-censoring. Looking back on it, 
much later, I saw how it became a strong expression of gratitude every morning and how good it felt to start the day that way. You might want to keep a gratitude journal as a way of moving your own set point of happiness. To express gratitude to others is to give them an offering of well-being, peace, and satisfaction. You probably know that from your own response when others express gratitude to you. You also know that you can tell when a thank you is insincere, commercial, or robotic. Please, as a daily practice, acknowledge with gratitude some of the non-human features of your daily life. A tree, a bush you walk by every day, your toothbrush, your favorite pillow, for instance. Regard it directly and say out loud, thank you, tree, thank you, bush, thank you, toothbrush. The benefit will return to you magnified, I promise. And it will help to open our whole sense of community to include the non-humans in our life, the small, the inanimate, the taken for granted. Most of us are inclined to express gratitude for food, love, service, and friendship. It may benefit us to expand that to, to include more of the things we tend to take for granted. That simple exchange of pleasure is a glue that will help us hold the social fabric in times of trouble. We can do it for each other. A small group of us meet every week to sit sadasan in the woods with a tree, a bush, or in a landscape to renew our place in the natural world and to expand our sense of community. Okay, let's let's see. I already read that, didn't I? Um, we gratefully acknowledge the support of all her beings, large and small, moving or still, past, present, and future. So let's expand some of that gratefulness to the past, to our ancestors. Ancestors, we are here because you have been here, and we take you with us wherever we go. You are with us now, from star stuff and space dust that congealed into this spinning planet. Thank you, ancestors. We are especially grateful for you, gravity. So often we take you for granted, overlook, or dismiss you. You hold us close. Like you, we earthlings love to clump. Gratitude to you, gravity. Minerals, rocks, and stones, you formed as the molten planet cooled. We thank you for your solidity and your substance. We sit, walk, stand, and lie with you every day as you make up the substance of our bodies and the ground that supports us. Gratitude to you, mineral beings. Gratitude to you, ancestral waters, for providing the conditions for animate life. Rain, fog, clouds, rivers, keep us soft and moist. Thank you, waters. Gratitude to you, blue-green algae, forerunner 
of the enormous bloom of plant life that covered the planet and the miraculous and fortuitous process of photosynthesis that has given us an oxygen-rich atmosphere and enabled our precious partnership with plants. Gratitude to you, photosynthesis. And let's give a shout out of gratitude to some of the present conditions around us, to the topsoil and all its inhabitants, worms, insects, fungi, microbes, we utterly depend on you. Your presence is the foundation of our life and our daily interchange. Gratitude to you, topsoil. Gratitude to you, our human ancestors. We gather here from the four directions, from many continents, on this unceded land of the Ohlone, Miwok, Pomo people. With pain in our hearts, we acknowledge that continuing injustice and your long stewardship. We say thank you, thank you. To the hills of Northern California, we say thank you. Shasta, Diablo, Tamalpais, Sonoma, Sugarloaf, and all your inhabitants. We see, receive the perspective you offer us with humility and deep gratitude. Thank you. Gratitude to the gardens. We gratefully receive the healing process of collaboration with the other forms of life, as well as beneficent beauty and abundance. Thank you, gardens. Well, you see what I mean. Let your gratitude connections expand. If it's easy for you to say thank you out loud to a particular tree, add another one. Try, uh, try it with some other one that's not so easy. Expand the relationship. See if you can, as well as uh, addressing with, uh, and, and acknowledging with gratitude, see if you can also listen respectfully with a big mind and ask for a nonverbal conversation. This is big family practice, big sangha practice. Here's a poem by Ross Gay. If you find yourself half naked and barefoot in the frosty grass, hearing again the earth's great sonorous moan, that says, you are the heir of the now and gone. That says, all you love will turn to dust and will meet you there. Do not raise your fist. Do not raise your small voice against it. Do not take cover. Instead, curl your toes into the grass. Watch the cloud ascending from your lips. Walk through the garden's dormant splendor, say only, thank you, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah.